0: Hi again, everybody. Stuart Gandalf here with Healthcare Success, and I'm uh, going to be leading another one of our ShishMid podcasts. As you know, if you're a loyal listener and reader, we do these every year, and this year we have some very intriguing speakers and exciting topics, and this is all a preview to ShishMid, and we love doing these podcasts because it's a great way to bring our readers up to speed on what else is going on in the world of healthcare marketing and hospital marketing. So for today's podcast, uh, we're going to be interviewing Jody Lesh, who's senior vice president of strategic planning and new ventures for Kaiser Permanente Southern California. And uh, Jody will be talking about her session, uh, which is reimagining ambulatory care at Kaiser Permanente. And there's a lot to talk about there, and also about how Kaiser Permanente is structured, for sure. You know, compared to uh, other divisions because of some of the laws we have here in uh, California and elsewhere. And talk about how do you do ambulatory care. So those are all important topics that we'll be discussing today. I also want to introduce to you Lauren Heens, who's uh, Director of Business Development for the hospital division of our company. So she works with many of our hospital clients. And uh, today, I'm gonna turn the ball over to her and let her lead the uh, interview questions. I'll probably chime in from time to time because I just can't help myself. (laughs) So Lauren Jody, you guys are on.
1: Thank you, Stuart. Um, Jody, can you tell us a little bit more about this um, topic and why it's really important to you and Kaiser Permanente?
2: I think it's really important to first understand that Kaiser Permanente's history is deeply rooted um, in innovation and in a commitment to improve the health of our members and our communities. Throughout the organization's history, Uh, Innovation has always driven improvements in areas of clinical quality and quality of life, and it is an organization that's committed to working interdependently across our own organization, uh, specifically with our medical group partners and across functional lines such as information technology and community benefit, and also across our various regions because, as you know, we are set up uh, structurally um, across different regions throughout California and the United States. So a few years ago, we began to ask the question about how ambulatory care will be delivered in the future. And we started – you remember, we are a very heavily bricks and mortar-oriented business. But the question we started to ask was, how can we better integrate with and impact people throughout their daily lives? And how can we find ways to interact with people beyond just a few times a year? That they visit our one of our facilities because the average person only sees us a few times a year, and that doesn't provide us a lot of opportunity to impact people and impact their health. And we began the process, which I think is probably one of the most important points, by talking with people, um, asking people about their lives, their, their aspirations for better, better health and a better quality of life. We use uh, patient ethnography as a methodology, um, and we learn that we really needed to find different ways to connect with people. And we needed to recognize that people's lives are a combination of all of their daily activities and their relationships with their family and their friends and also about their aspirations for good health and a good quality of life. And what we learned from that was was very, very important. And the voice of of the customer was where we started and and it really led us. Um, And we also recognized that we needed to look at what, our definition of health was, and also really looking at the issue of community health and the issues of the upstream determinants of health, because as you may know and many people know, the actual medical care that's delivered is only accountable for a fraction of what constitutes people's health. And so things like environmental and, and social and the economic factors in communities play such a big role um, in determining whether people are healthy. And we also had to think a lot about how new technology would be adopted within the care delivery process and how our members could do things on their own with our assistance. And remember, we're building on one of the world's largest private electronic medical records, and that provides us with an incredible amount of data and connectivity that could really facilitate care in other venues and other ways outside of the traditional facility bricks-and-mortars model. And we also, lastly, really just wanted to garner inspiration from other industries because we understand that people have come to expect a different level of service and connectivity and immediacy and the acceleration, what we called the acceleration of expertise. And we wanted to bring all that into this. So we started Project RAD, um, called, that's how we termed it, Reimagining Ambulatory Design. And it's really about imagining and designing what the future of ambulatory care looks like, going well beyond the bricks-and-mortar model, including how we impact people as they live their daily lives and how we improve community health. And it addresses areas like behavioral change, uh, new facility design, adoption of technology, and efforts to work collectively with others in the community to tackle some of the more pressing um, issues associated with community health improvement. I, you know, I think the, the organization has been committed for a very long time um, to proactive inter, you know, intervention and proactive um, efforts to stave off illness, especially chronic illness. But I think that this project has taken us a little bit further in terms of looking at different models of care that allow us to do that, including things like telehealth, you know more retail oriented medicine that's more uh, embedded into the community, and also a huge paradigm shift to incorporate these upstream determinants of health in our definition of what it means to be healthy and that that's I think going to take us in a lot of different directions in terms of what role we play um, in in the sort of healthcare spectrum. So it's very consistent. It's just sort of diving deeper into it and understanding how it can go from more of a branding, you know, campaign and more of a, a statement of what we believe in, to then taking it to the next level in terms of how we activate on that.
0: You know, a lot of times we talk about how important the product is. It's not just the advertising, but how are you actually delivering it? So we're creating a better product. Um, you know, to adjuncts is what the advertising is doing. And looking at the uh, description of your talk at ShishMed, it says here uh, specifically relating to patient experience and affordability. Can you share some thoughts on that and, and what you meant there when you came up with that description?
2: Well, I think let's just talk a little bit about the experience. You know, the model of medical care, both in Kaiser Permanente and outside Kaiser Permanente, hasn't changed all that much. Um, you know, in, in a very long time. It's mostly a model where people come Ill and they go to visit one of our facilities and they see a physician. That's essentially the model. Now, I think Kaiser's gone further into, pro, again, the sort of proactive intervention to um, to address um, issues of, of um, chronic conditions and, and things of the like, but really our medical model is Has been pretty consistent with others, and pretty consistent within the organization for a long time. So I think that a couple of things came from this in terms of just you know access to care. As as we grow because of the Affordable Care Act, there's increasing pressure on our system. It's increasingly difficult to hire physicians. There's shortages, and there's increasing pressure to maintain the level of access and quality that. Kaiser Permanente has been known for and, and that we strive to maintain. So there there needs to be different models of care. And that includes the use of technology. We're experimenting quite a bit with telemedicine and telephone appointment visits. Um, there's, there's work that we're doing looking at the use of our data coming from HealthConnect, our electronic medical record, to develop um, protocols through artificial intelligence that may in the future allow people to self-triage. So there and you know, it's getting increasingly difficult for people to leave their work, to be perfectly honest, to come into us. And also it's becoming increasingly difficult for us to even find suitable real estate. So finding those different models of care are essential both for access and then on the affordability front, you know, healthcare is just becoming increasingly more expensive. So finding ways to leverage technology or different workflows or even different workforces, which we've talked about, things like community health workers or promotora programs, allow us to think about ways to deliver care that could significantly bring down the cost of health care and increase um, you know, the affordability and, and access to other you know, to more people.
0: It's great. Again, I I mentioned the product earlier. It's funny. One of our newsletter articles coming up is about, you know, the patient wants it right now. And, you know, the the access to care. And uh, one of the things we write and complain about, you know, to anybody who will listen is the idea of when you call a doctor's office and they're closed between 12 to 2 and open between 9 to noon and 2 to 5, you know, I'm an executive. I'm busy. I can't reach somebody in those hours and some of our clients you know with uh, you know adding earth, of course the retailization of healthcare adding for example urgent care hours um uh one of our clients uh here in southern california has uh we're marketing their health centers and their after hours care and it's all part of the package so it sounds like all those things are things you're looking at right hours of care and ways you can deliver care and again not with in a positive way meeting the consumer's demands as a retail other any other business would do Oh, is that- yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, I think that one thing that came out through our patient ethnographies and our other research is that because of advancements in other industries, people have come to expect different levels of service, and the healthcare industry has not moved much on that. And so this idea that you talk about that you know, we're only open eight hours a day, you know, there was a time when people wouldn't think about depositing a paycheck using their cell phone, you know that you be too nervous to entrust, you know, your paycheck with technology like that. But people are becoming increasingly comfortable uh with technology and so it you know begs the question how we can embrace it. Now having said that, um I will say that we are very much a high touch business and and there's a lot of sensitivity to how far you can go with technology. How can it be supportive rather than necessarily replacing. So, one of the projects that that has spun from this reimagining ambulatory design is what the facility of the future will look like because we we don't believe that everything's going to be telemedicine and virtual care and and retail clinics and, you know, in in CVS um, pharmacies that that there will still be a need. I mean, our population Especially as we get into some of the more disadvantaged populations through the expansion of Medicaid uh, still requires significant high touch and so we are looking at how our facilities are also um, adapting and um to to the needs and also adopting technology and adopting other other innovations that are lower tech, including how we integrate and Partner with others in the community to bring vital services. So just as an example of that, we have a partnership in one of our medical centers, a faith-based partnership where we go into um, a church, local church, and train lay, lay leaders to, um, to teach diabetic education. And then, in turn, they teach the rest of the congregation. And so some of it's very high-tech and low touch and some of the innovations are very low tech, very high touch, but also equally as innovative. So there's there's a lot going on here and there's a lot of um uncharted and and fruitful territory to explore about how to improve access, improve quality, and increase affordability.
0: Uh, that's really exciting. So that is a sounds like you know, there's a lot of hospitals out there and a lot of good hospitals, but to make this part of your, uh, I guess, corporate DNA or a big, important initiative, um, you know, because you could be doing a lot of other things, right? (laughs) Hospitals are busy places with lots of competing priorities. Uh, How did this, one, one of the questions we had talked about before the call was, you know, why is this topic timely and why is it important to you? I'm getting the sense that, is that just sort of how, Uh, your organization looks at itself? I mean, how did this raise to a priority out of all the millions of things that you guys could be doing and are doing?
2: I think it's a a priority for for a number of reasons and and why it's important to me for a number of reasons. And it was interesting when you sent me that question and I had to think about it. You know, the first thing that came to my mind is why is it important to me? It's because I, I know that Kaiser Permanente can and should be a leader in this area of innovation. It's, it's, you know, we, we have a history, as I said, in innovation, and we have a mission. Our mission statement says that our business is to improve the health of our members and the communities that we serve, and so it. And we have tremendous resources to bring to this, not just financial resources. That's the obvious, but you know, we have, we've talked about this. We have tremendous resources in terms of our expertise our influence on public policy, our ability to bring people together and what we call bringing people together in common purpose. So we, we should lead in this area. This is really about who the company is. And the, the, the other part is that we should lead on affordability. We should be the ones, you know, we have always been a leader in affordability and we should continue to press the boundaries of what's possible in terms of affordability and access um, so I, I don't think we have a choice but to play a leadership role um, in thinking about ambulatory care in particular, and and also expanding that concept again to include the concept of improving community health, not just for our membership but the greater community. So it's you know you say you talk about thrive, you know we talk to people in our organization around our mission statement our statement of our brand that says, you know, our cause is health. This is all very consistent, um, and this transformation, um, you know, it's funny, with your point about we have so many competing priorities, I will tell you that, you know, it's a very large organization with lots of different interests and lots of different demands, and I have not had that much pushback on this project in three years, uh, which is interesting, and we have involved thousands of people, uh, frontline physicians, frontline other you know providers, administrative labor, outside people, leadership, both from our medical group and our health plan side. And while there's some natural resistance or fear of change, no one has ever suggested that we were
1: doing the wrong thing here. Jody also um, wanted to find out a little bit more. I mean, you recently won the award for the State Seven um, Ambulatory Award for 350 ambulatory clinics that you um, just completed. So, can you tell me a little bit more about that experience as well with the program? You know, I actually had to do a little bit of
2: research on that because I had not heard of that. But it's my understanding that um, this is related to our implement- implementation of Health Connect, our electronic mm-hmm. medical record, and. You know, I think that the implementation of HealthConnect has taught our organization a lot of things. First of all, it showed us that we can lead around innovation and transforming an industry. So, we, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It was one of the most significant changes. I think people think of it as just technology, but really there were significant workflow changes that had to occur in order to adopt that technology in our, in our business. So we learned that it's possible, and that we could lead in that. Um, it's also showed us, like I said, that technology and operations are, are linked together. And so this isn't just about coding off to the side and then plugging it in, and, and then all of a sudden the operations work. It's our, our physicians and other providers had to figure out how to integrate this and get the greatest value from it. So again, it, it showed the true value of innovation and it showed what we're capable of doing. And it, and it taught us a lot about change management. And that's something, actually, uh, David and I plan to talk a lot about in D.C., that, you know, change management can't be an afterthought, that, the, that innovation and the adoption of technology and changes in workflows and new facilities is a huge change for any organization. And change management is a discipline, and you have to invest in it, and you have to invest in it rigorously, and it takes a lot more resources than you ever plan it. And just one other comment about you know Health Connect, I think that um, we have just experienced the tip of the iceberg in terms of what Health Connect can do to transform the delivery of medical care. The, the data itself and our ability to harness that data to inform Things like clinical protocols, or to use it to develop predictive models to understand who's going to be the high utilizers of the future, and then to develop um, programs to, to address those issues before they become problems, is incredibly powerful. We're just now really scratching the surface of that and doing work around artificial intelligence. And so I think um, Health Connect and, and winning that, that award, which was about Health Connect. Uh, is um, was really the beginning of showing us what's possible.
1: And then Jody, I know you mentioned um, you and David will be uh, David Grandy um, from HDR will be speaking together. Have you noticed a lot of architectural changes um, among these clinics?
2: Well, so we um, when we when we did uh, Project RAD, we had several platforms. They were kind of organizing principles of. Um, Different ideas that we had, and one of them was called Health Hub, and that was the reimagined medical office clinic of the future. So since the time that we completed the strategy work on on RAD and, and then Health Hub, we have had to date eight projects, eight new medical office building projects approved, and we have probably about five or six more in the pipeline to be approved in the next six to 12 months, and they are completely different in terms of design, um, architectural design, and they're completely different in terms of technology. And now we're doing field testing to bring the technology and the operation side together. And um, I will tell you from a workflow standpoint, they're also completely different. So the level of change in these new facilities um, is beyond even what I imagined, to be honest. So just a little bit frightening. I mean, to be honest, the oh. level of... <laughs> I mean, but, um, we had, we had of a course. group of about a 100 people come together yesterday from frontline operations who will be running these first clinics. And the, the level of sort of engagement and, and true interdependence, as we call it at Kaiser Permanente, of people working together, IT people, nursing assistants, physicians... Um, department administrators, you know, rolling up their sleeves and saying, you know, we really want to do this, but we recognize that there's a, going to be a lot of changes in how we do our work. Um, but it was great to see the enthusiasm, but it was also a little daunting.
1: What takeaways do you want the audience to walk out with from your session? You know, it's, um, it's
2: interesting. Uh, when David and I spoke at another conference about this topic, Our entire focus was on our learnings and not the actual product that we created but what we learned from the creation of the product and I think that that those are some of the things that I really want people to take away um, even at this conference I mean we talked a little bit about the change process and how that that isn't an afterthought that's a discipline and the other thing that we learned a lot about is that innovation is really a social phenomenon this is around people coming together, bringing different perspectives, bringing different vantage points, grappling with really tough questions, um, creating something that's inspiring and robust, but doing it doing it as a team. And it's also about creating inspiration. And one of the things that we learned that I really want people to take away with is that this isn't people want you to start with why you're doing something, not what you're doing. And that seems like a very Small point, but it was very important. Creating an inspiring vision for what the future looked like was more important than all the bells and whistles and, and the changes of the facilities and things like that that came of this. And that's why people led, allowed us to lead, and, and followed us. Um, and the last thing I would just say is I will never start another project without starting with the customer's voice, ever again. And you just can't argue with what our members say. And one of the things I always say to people is that when we first did that member research, the first emotion I had coming out of it was utter fear. Because what I saw was that if you'd met one person, you'd met one person. And the complexity of people's lives and the needs that people have are varied. And you need to listen to all that before you start coming up with solutions. And so if if people take anything away, I would love for them to take away the lessons learned about the process, rather than the actual product that we develop.
1: Agreed. And where and when are you speaking at the conference? Because we're very excited to attend your session. We are speaking um,
2: as part of the strategic planning track during the concurrent sessions, and we're speaking on Monday, October 12th at 1045.
1: Well, Jody, thank you so much for your time. We enjoy meeting you at Shishman.
0: Jody, that was terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you. I look forward to meeting you, too.